Welcome everyone to Care in the Load podcast. We're excited today to have John Davis with us. You know, Annette and I were talking before we, we started uh, today thinking, you know, we, we are so serious sometimes with some of the things that we do with our podcast. And we're really excited to have John with us today. Let me just tell you a little bit about John. And and and, and there's a smile on my face, and you'll understand why when I, when I share with you his uh, biography here. John Davis is an international known keynote speaker, a comedian, fight director, stuntman, college professor, artistic director, and action hero. Now, I'm just going to stop there for a second before I read the rest of this here, John, because I will almost guarantee you there is nobody else in the world that has those kind of credentials. Well, I, I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I work too hard to get all those. I hope nobody else. Could. <laughs> That's my claim. To and, play, and I'm baby. sure there's a story behind each one. Absolutely, there is. John's traveled extensively throughout the world, speaking to audiences of all ages and backgrounds in 28 countries and over 4,000 live performances. John inspires you to set and reach your maximum potential and awaken your inner action hero. After the tragic events of September 11, 2001, John dedicated a great amount of time bringing entertainment to the soldiers overseas on six USO, USO tours. John performed more than 100 shows and has taken his comedy to even the most remote bases in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Thank so, you. Welcome. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. And thank you, them you know, for being out there and defending us all, right? Man, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's where we would start is, is uh, I look at where you've been. I look at what you've done. And as you have been able to perform in very stressful type situations, that's got to be a unique uh, situation. A unique, uh, it, I, I can't imagine trying to bring smiles on the faces of those that are dealing with real hardships in their lives. Tell you us know, about it, that. It's ve- it, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and one of the greatest things a soldier said to me was um, – he said, Mr. Davis, this afternoon I was in a firefight, and today when I watched your show for two hours, I forgot all about it. Hmm. What so, a gift that you, know, you were that, able to provide them. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, we when we went over, we decided we wanted to make sure that they saw something completely different than they'd ever seen before. And so <laughs> what we did was we took a Renaissance-themed show over. So – we would fly in on helicopters and step out of helicopters wearing Elizabethan clothing. <laughs> and and you, one of the scariest things was not the, not the fact that they shot RPGs at us or guns at us. The scariest thought was, you know, if that chopper goes down, I'm going to end up in an Iraqi city wearing tights. That's not a picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I'd survive too long wearing tights in an Iraqi city. <laughs> so, so that has got to, boy, I, I just think of the resilience uh, of being able to do something like that in that kind of a condition. What, what allowed you to be able to do that uh, in a very stressful situation? I'm sure that there's more than one thing, but can you, can you pinpoint what gave you that resilience? To go, to go out there and do that? Yeah. I'm going to hit you with a big story up, up front then, if that's okay with well, you. Perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So here I was, 22 years old. I wanted to be a professional stuntman and a fight director. That was my goal in life. I wanted to be one of those guys who was sword fighting in movies and swinging and riding, you know, cables across the sky and all kinds of things. And 
I ended up meeting two, two top fight directors in the world who ended up giving me their training for free because they thought I had talent. So now here I am very, very excited. I'm lifting weights. I'm going for my black belt in Taekwondo and I'm, I'm really strong. And somebody says, Hey, would you come over to my house and help me unload my van? And I said, sure, no problem. Now that guy was a professional potter and his, his van was filled with 80 pound boxes of clay. And wow. <laughs> I don't think he's really a friend of mine. <laughs> that's, that's almost like saying, Hey, come help me move. You know what I'm saying? Not really good. <laughs> um, so I got out to his house. I climbed up in that van. I picked up that first box of clay and I turned to set that box outside of the van. And quite literally, my upper spine separated from my lower spine. I collapsed and was paralyzed. Oh, and wow. Found myself being hauled to the hospital. Doctor told me I had a condition known as spina bifida occulta. And basically what that means is that three of my vertebrae right above my pelvis never formed properly at birth. And this day when I twisted with that extra 80 pounds, I basically unscrewed the top half of my body from the lower half of my body. And the doctor said to me, quote, unquote, <laughs> you're never going to be a stunt man. You're never going to be a fight director. You need to get a sedentary job right now. And I'm lying in a hospital bed and I'm depressed and I'm, and, and I know I was supposed to be the funny guy for you, but I'm telling you a depressing story right now, <laughs> but it gets good. It gets better. I promise. <laughs> um, somebody came in who, when he, when he brought this gift into me, people thought he was being cruel, but it was the greatest gift he could have ever given me. He gave me a book by Bruce Lee called the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. And in there I found a passage about mental flexibility and, what happened was after reading that book and coming to find out Bruce wrote that book when he was in traction in a bed and was just told he would never do martial arts again. And he went on to do all the movies we know him for. Mm -hmm. So I, I ended up reading this book started, started that day, started leveraging my present moment and focusing on a positive outcome. And I started doing little things every day. I started flexing my, what back muscles I can flex. And then the next day I flexed a little bit lower. And finally I found myself flexing my hips which the doctors told me I would never be able to feel again. And then next thing you know, I was flexing my knees and then all the way down to my ankles, my toes. And in 30 days, I was sitting up in the bed. And by the time a year came by, I was back to what I would consider normal, but not back as strong as I was. And at one year and six months, I was standing on top of a three-story tower and I jumped off into a fall pad. <laughs> wow. You know... <laughs> John, when we're, we're talking about this and we've talked about the funny guy here, <laughs> I am so grateful you shared that story with us because that's what Karen the Load is all about. It's overcoming. Oh, and, yeah. and so to see and to hear the story of where you were, what happened and put you, you know, you're paralyzed and in the bed. But then when you found hope was something that someone else gave you, you know, they shared this gift with you. And then you learned, you learned how to, to apply those things and those steps along the way. And look at you now, you're paying right. it forward. You're helping all these people throughout the world. And it's an incredible story. So thank you so much. Well, well thank you for that. You know, I, I believe in living the life of an action hero and, that's a, there's a very specific term. There's a, there's a difference between an action hero and a superhero, okay? And I just want to clear that up right away. Action heroes are ordinary individuals who create extraordinary results in service of others. And superheroes are 
people who wear their underwear on the outside of their pants and were irradiated by some sort of goo and have superpowers. <laughs> I like that definition. <laughs> so, so we're but, hoping that you can, you can, uh, you you think of yourself more as not the uh, superhero, but the, the action, action hero. hero but in the in in the world of Zoom, you'll never know, will you? <laughs> or, uh, in the world of virtual meetings, you'll never know. You're right. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> um, so that 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 idea of of service to me is is life defining, and um, I did go on to do. I created the largest charity event in Baltimore region called the Hack and Slash Christmas Special. I uh, sent two kids to uh, Disney World with Make a Wish. I uh, funded sixteen global clean water projects. I uh, Habitat for Humanity. Blah 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 blah. A whole bunch, <laughs> a bunch of stuff. And for me, it, it's not about you know what I did. It's what they get. You know, it's the service that I'm giving. So uh, for me, that's the way I want to live my life. So the, the question that you originally asked me was. How did I come to that space after my back went out and I saw what I could do? Then I knew I could do anything. <laughs> and once, once I knew I could do anything, then I did whatever I want, whatever my, wherever my passion took me. And I made sure that I found life funny and I just laughed as I went through life. And, and then when they asked us to finally go out to the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan, I was like, yeah, I, I not only want to go out there and help those guys, but it's going to be a great experience to go out there and do that kind of service because you pay yourself back tenfold when you do something for somebody else. Money can't buy how you feel when you're when you're out there doing service like that, and and then when you add laughter into it, you know that is something that that we have lived a life that you know we've had some some hard experiences, but we learn to laugh along the way. Absolutely. And, and we had, you know, friends and others that told us, how can you be laughing? You know, during these experiences, I said, how can we not? This is how we get through it. And right. this is how we still have joy and love. And, and you can serve because we found that those were the keys for us to be able to continue on in life. And so here you, you learned something and you found your passion and you went out and you shared it. Right. So, right. John, people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be saying, why can't I feel that same resilience? Why can't I be happy amidst my struggles here as well? Were you born with that resilience or was that something no, that was no. uh, I had an alcoholic, abusive father and uh, he had seven kids and I was the one kid he didn't like. And so <laughs> um, so I had a real tough childhood and was a was an introvert until I found acting. And acting brought me out of my shell. But the, the thing is that when I finally did get out of that bed and I started studying achievement and how I was able to get out of that bed and, and started looking at stuntmen and, and, and uh, soldiers in the field, I started assessing what they were doing and then using neurolinguistics and my, my hypnosis training that I was going through, I started to see how the brain was working and I created the five F's. And the five F's were the thing that took me to all the places I want to go. You know, it's so funny. You know, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm try not. I don't want to brag. I've just always done what I want to do. I've been to 30 countries around the world. I've been in the pyramids of Giza. I've been on top of Machu Picchu. I swam in the Blue Lagoon. You know, I did anything I've ever wanted to do. I do now because I just know that I can, and I keep that place. And in the five F's, can, you want? Do you want to get into the five F's? Let's get into them. 
All right. So first of the five Fs is fearlessness. If you don't think you can, that's because somewhere back in your past, someone has told you you can't or or you have a, a subconscious belief saying you can't. Well, the idea of not doing something or taking action means you're afraid of something. But before you can talk about fearlessness, you need to talk about what is fear. Because most people, when I ask my audiences around the world, what is fear? They say, uh, you know, first of all, the room goes silent. <laughs> you know, nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody seems to know. They're like, what? Well, I don't know. And then somebody in the back of the room, will, you'll hear it. They'll go, uh, false evidence appearing real. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hear that all over the world. False Maybe not. <laughs> right. I don't buy it, though. I'll tell you why I don't buy it. Because fear does not come with evidence. Because fear, when you break it down scientifically, is just an emotional reaction to some future event that may or may not happen with your focus on it being a negative outcome. You're actually, it's actually negatively focused on certainty. That's all fear is. So if you can, because if, if in reality, if you thought something joyful and happy and good was coming, you wouldn't be afraid. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Right. So when I talked to the soldiers in the field, they said they had, to, they had to set their fears aside. When I stood on top of that tower, I had to set my fears aside. So I started studying how, how we react. And we, we all react from a primal response known as the fight or flight response. And the fight or flight response is interesting because – did you guys ever watch National Geographic shows on TV? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you know that one episode with that gazelle? <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, we remember you that one. We sure do. <laughs> They're all with the gazelle, the poor doomed gazelle, right? You know, he's gonna well, wasn't that the go. one that the one before it said, as long as I'm faster than that one, I'm okay? Right, right. right. Well, that gazelle's out there eating that grass in the field, crunch, 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 crunch. And then suddenly, <laughs> suddenly some predator cat hits the field. The first thing that the gazelle does is this <gasps> he gasps for air, gasps for air. And you know, whenever you get into a fear state, people think they can't breathe. I'm so scared I can't breathe. Well, it's not that they can't breathe. It's that, the, it's that their body is conserving air so they can run further and faster. You know, actors on, in Hollywood and actors on Broadway are trained that if they forget their lines to break out of their fear response, they're supposed to exhale and relax all their muscles. Well, what that does is it shuts off the primal fight or flight response and turns their brain back on. Because when you're in fear... Your body only cares about survival. It doesn't care what your lines are in the play, right? So by, by exhaling, relaxing all your muscles, you can shut off the fear response. Now, when I talked to those soldiers in the field, he said the other thing that helped him was he had an objective when he went on a mission, right? So he had something to focus on. So you got fearlessly focused. So you got, you got to have focus. Now, I can tell you from experience <laughs> Well, first of all, I'll tell you from one experience. When you're down at the bottom of a three-story tower looking up, it doesn't look that high. <laughs> but when you're on top looking down, man, that's high. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and um, But I will tell you this. When you're on top of the tower looking down, you're not focused on the tower. You're not focused on how you're going to jump. You're focused on where you're going to land. Right? <laughs> I want to hit that. So you have to have a positive focus. And not only a positive focus, but a and when I say positive focus, I mean, really, I am going to land there because I don't want to miss that pad, right? So you have to get fearlessly focused on something positive. But do you guys know negative people? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, did you ever notice that they always have something to be negative about? Yes. Yeah, they yeah. always have something to be negative about. Yeah. Well, check this out. Okay, here's, here's why, okay? Our conscious mind is designed so that when we 
consciously choose something to focus on, our subconscious mind kicks in to help us achieve it or help us find it. And so I, I can prove it to you. Have you guys ever bought a car? Not once or twice. Okay. But did you choose what kind of car you wanted before you went to the store to buy it? Typically, no. We, no. we typically went to take, <laughs> kick the tires, take a look, and see what we wanted. We but, had some you ideas. Did, you had some ideas. So, so you got the idea of a certain car. Now, once you got the idea, did you start seeing that kind of car around town? Oh, yeah. You started seeing that kind of car around town because you had the idea, the conscious idea in your mind, that might be the kind of car we want. And so your subconscious mind started showing you that car all over the place. So negative people, they think the world is negative. So their subconscious mind starts showing them negative stuff all the time. So, so they're creating this negative experience because in a cycle, like a, like a Groundhog's Day kind of cycle. You know, they're staying in this, this, this negative state. Positive people are the same way. You get into the positive state, and you know, a really positive person, they always have something to be positive about because they're focused that way. So what you're focusing on is really important. You know, focus on something really positive, a positive outcome. So we got so fearless we, in focus so far. So so we saw at the beginning of the pandemic a lot of fear. Yeah. We saw people that uh, were, were upset that were probably uncharacteristically uh, not themselves. And we saw a lot of those people that were so negative. But then there was a point, it seemed like, maybe last summer, maybe last fall, that people started getting out of that negativity. And uh, I, I would assume that uh, the model is the same there as well, as once they began to focus uh, on, 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 hey, I could be this way forever, or I could change the way that I, I, I look at things. Well, think about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a keynote speaker, right? And the, the speaking industry had just something that's just like the Marvel blip. You know, the, the Marvel movies had their blip where half right. the people went away, right? Right. In, in the speaking industry, half the speakers went away and all the work. So, um, so it was like we, we suddenly had no work. And, no, and But here I am. I could have easily been one of those speakers and went away. I could have easily said, well, this, the industry's over. Instead, what I did was I, I bought lighting and I bought a green screen and I started doing virtual programs and I continued writing on my book more and creating online courses. I, I put out daily vlogs now. You know, I started upping my game. I've done 35 podcasts as a guest in, in the past two months. And I have 18 wow. in queue right now. Because I can't be stopped because only I'm the one who gets to choose whether I'm stopped or not. You know, when you say you can't be stopped, I mean, you took that opportunity that you were, you know, you had this setback where the industry all of a sudden we can't go to these events. But you looked at it as a as a step up in yeah, a different and, and, way. You had to figure yeah, out you reframed. How how can I still do what I want to do? Right. What's interesting is is the year before COVID, I traveled 200 days speaking. Wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of travel. That's right? a lot of time away. A lot of a lot of time away. So when I come out of COVID, I'm going to have new virtual offerings, still my live programs. I'm going to have my my online courses. I'm going to have all kinds of new products. My business is going to be much more profitable after COVID, because of COVID, because instead of looking at it as, a, as an obstacle that's going to stop me, I looked at it as an opportunity to shift because no great success has ever happened without some sort of change or adversity. So do you think we get stuck in our ways sometimes to the point where we're not willing to, uh, to make any change and it's because of things like COVID that uh, put us in a trajectory of, of, of something that uh, will, will change forever for, its, for, the, for the better, maybe. 
Right. Well, think think about this. You know, if you're not willing to change, it's because you don't have faith that you can. Right. You don't have you don't have confidence that you can. You, you know, you have to fearlessly focus. Third one is faith. You have to believe it. If you don't believe it, like if I didn't believe I was going to get out of that bed and go off and be a, a stuntman and a fight director, I, I'd still be, you know, paralyzed. But but instead, I t- took my faith and I held on. The hardest one of the five Fs is the next one, though, because the next one is follow through. You actually have to get up and do something, right? And, and, and it's, you have to realize that that not feeling like you want to get up and do something, there's a fear base behind that. There's, if you're not taking action, it's because you're afraid of something. And, you know, so you, if, if you're willing to sit there, a lot of people get into what I call the velvet cage. They get real comfortable in the troubles they're in, but they're not willing to open a door and fly somewhere new. It's, just still, a, it's still a cage, right? You're still right. stuck there. And that's the saddest place to be, but yet that fear keeps them stuck in the cage. Right. Because exactly they, they're right. familiar with the cage. Exactly. And that familiarity, you, you get very comfortable with, with the evils that you know. Right. <laughs> right. But you can you can get out and, and step out into the world and do amazing things. You know, I, I that that list of jobs that I've done in my career, you said, you know, stuntman, fight director, college professor, artistic director of theme parks, keynote speaker. All of those were things that where I stepped out of what I was doing and into something completely new. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something really interesting. When I, I, I had been doing a comedy sword fighting show through all of that called Hack and Slash. And Hack and Slash did sword fights, bull whips, beds of nails, high falls. We did all kinds of fun stuff. And when I decided to become a keynote speaker, my first fear was, how are they going to take this guy seriously? The guy who wears tights and lives in the woods, right? <laughs> <laughs> How's that going to And then I realized after the third speech, I should stop wearing the tights. <laughs> but I'm pumped. <laughs> so, so I think you're the only guy I know that doesn't have an alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> I am my own alter ego. Thank you. <laughs> Watch this. This is. Now I'm a superhero. I just took my glass <laughs> off. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so we're so, talking about the second F there. No, that was the uh, that was the third. The, the third F. Okay. We got fearlessly focused with faith. Then we actually we, we did get into follow through a little bit. So that's the fourth F. Follow through. You have to actually take an action. If you don't take, if you're not taking actions, you're not getting there. And the interesting thing is with, with actions is that that. Most people sit in their present moment and they assess what's happening right now as, you know, the way the world is. But what they're living right now is residual of past of past moments that have happened. So a lot of people sit in this moment and they look at that big goal out there that they want to get to. And they get in this this mindset of I have to get to that. But that's not the way the, the brain works. The brain works completely opposite of that. See, the brains only exists in the present moment. And because it only exists in the present moment, what happens is it ends up being a situation where, where you have to make your present moment successful, and that big outcome is going to come to you. You're not going to get to it. Mm. And so all you have to do is make successful present moments, make happy, successful present moments. And so like every so often I would mess up um, or something I was doing wasn't working correctly, and I would... I would go, oh, and I'd smack myself in the head. That's why I went bald. Um, and I, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say, I'd say, God, I'm so dumb. And I'd start to beat myself up. But then I realized I was just wasting another present moment. 
And I, so instead of that now, every time I mess something up or it doesn't go the way I want it to go now, I just go, well, that's silly. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I just laugh at it. I just laugh at it. You know, well, it's silly because I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not doing that. I'm going to this thing where I'm going to create this successful outcome. And the last of the five F's, just to kick them out, is, is the one that we started with in this original conversation was flexibility. You know, my mental flexibility. When something comes up that seems, con, you know, you know, adverse to where you want to go or a conflict, then you have to realize that you are, you are the water in the stream. You get to flow around that rock and go to your final destination of where you want to go. And so you have to stay flexible in those moments. And when I do my speeches, I use, I use nun, nunchucks to, to demonstrate flexibility, which is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so so nunchucks but but you're also you know I, I when i was reading your bio there it also talked about being a comedy sword fighter what is that all about <laughs> well i did talk about i did talk about the the renaissance festivals and i went off to do uh, i did a lot of renaissance festivals and a lot of performances in shakespeare theaters and but those guys uh, are usually pretty serious well, we were we were we were comedies. We we actually did a we did a show. You're the Monty based, Python version. Well, actually, what we did was it was, was Commedia dell'arte in a way. It was it was uh, the character of Sir Nigel Hack and Slash Montant, and <laughs> Sir Sir Nigel Hack was hit on the head with a cannonball and sees everything six inches to the left, and Sir <laughs> Slash, Slash Montant, his, the entire show does things to make him look good, <laughs> and so. They do a whole sword fight where they're missing and Slash is grabbing the board, the point and putting on, oh, you got me, you know, <laughs> and uh, there's all kinds of really fun stuff. And the biggest in that show, the biggest culmination in one of those shows was that um, we'd bring a person on stage, an audience member, and we put an apple on his head. We pull out a crossbow and I go to I turn my back. I blindfold myself and I and I blind and uh, and I, I get all ready to shoot. And they, they have the audience counting, you know, five, four, three, two, one, shoot that apple. And I would. And I would squeeze and it would fire. But by the time I fired, Slash Montant ran out of the audience, grabbed the arrow off the crossbow, ran over and stuck it in the apple, ran back out to the audience. So by the time I, <laughs> by the time I turned around, it was already there. Wow. <laughs> Good job, Slash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so, so, John, when we, when we think about, uh, when we, we think about adversity, when we think about uh, mindset, you know, we might have listeners listening who say that's all fine and good, but I just can't. I just can't do it. I I, I just can't get to that point. There. What would you say to that person to give them I hope? Would, I, the first thing I would say is to listen to what Henry Ford said. Henry Ford said, "Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right." You so you get to choose. It's your choice. You know, I, for me to get out of that bed, I had to take certain words out of my vocabulary. Wanting, needing, hoping, and trying were the first to go. Because what, if, if you're making successful present moments, then you need to make sure that your vocabulary about your present moment is present moment active. So when I was in that moment to say, I am flexing my back muscles today. I am sitting up today. I am moving forward today. I am becoming a stuntman. I am, you know, I was staying in, in those real creative, positive frames. If you say you can't, then you have decided that you can't. And that is basic, usually based in somebody in the past telling you that you were less than or putting you down in a place or, or you yourself having failures in the, pa in the past that you have given yourself the belief that you can't. But there is nothing that is impossible for any of us. And on a, can, I, can, I, 
can I tap into a little spirituality here for a second? Yes, please. please. Okay, so Buddha says, what you think you become, you create your world. Gandhi says, you must be the change you want to see in the world. You know, uh, Krishna said, you are the culmination of your thought. And Jesus said, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. But Moses said, after he climbed Mount Sinai, that God's name was I am. So if you're saying I can't, that means you, that means you, I am not able is what I can't means. And so you are asking for that outcome. The interesting thing about that last statement that Jesus said, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. The more important line is that one that comes after that in the Bible. The line is nothing will be impossible for you. All you have to do is realize you can do anything and I'm living proof of it. I am living proof of it. I, I broke a bottle over Brad Pitt's head. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, John, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and I love each of those statements. And when I think about each of our lives, we all have a story to share. We all have experiences that have broken us to a degree. But we have to take... I want to say ownership back, control of those thoughts and and feelings of what has happened and recognize that, you know, those experiences didn't make us less than. I mean, for many, many years, majority of my life, I thought that certain things made me less than. Certain experiences mm. made me less than. And it was really, you know, in the last few years, I started to see things differently. I had a shift in perspective in my personal life and things that I no longer hid those scars because I wasn't worried what people thought of me because I, it was the fear. I was living in that fear zone. And when I got rid of the fear and started to be in the present, and realized that people would love me, it still, it went, that fear went down to love for me and what people really would or wouldn't do. That is when I realized that the I am part of this. Mm. And through God, I could do these things and the healing could take place. And the things that I thought were impossible all of a sudden became possible. And, and it changed the whole trajectory of, of my life, of our life. And now we want to, you know, share tools. It's those experiences that help us as we learn those five F's, every one of those. Because I, I went in, I love that this is something that you're offering anyone to just go and download this, this workbook and the, the tools that you find in it are so beneficial. And every one of these are things that I had to learn to apply in my life. Mm. And I think no matter where any individual is, if they would take these steps and these little, there, you know, really some of them are huge mountains to climb to change that mindset to, you know, I am successful. I am living in the present. I am going to walk again, you know, to just change our thoughts. I think that's the heart. That was the hardest thing for me was to change my thought process. As huge as the mountain looks, 
And I, I, I did climb Mount Sinai in my lifetime. I did actually do that. And it, there's a thing they call the, the 3,000 steps of repentance. And you climb these, these stairs that were made in the Middle Ages. And there, stairs is a kind word for a pile of rubble. In my, um, right? And you climb, you climb, and you climb. And you, every mountain that's ever been climbed has been climbed one step at a time. And so don't get focused on the peak. Focused on the step in front of you. Stay in this one simple place. And once you start doing, realizing that that peak is coming closer to you by the steps that you're taking, and you, you, you have this moment of realization where everything is perfect. Because, you know, I don't have to worry about the big thing because I'm doing the small things. And I just want to give you my favorite Buddha quote of all time. Okay. He says, when you realize how perfect everything is, you will tilt your head back and laugh at the sky. <laughs> Greatest quote ever. <laughs> it's a good one. When I find that I get in trouble and the fear begins to build is when I'm looking at the peak. Right. Instead of being present where I am at the moment. And, and that peak that peak can seem so daunting. It can seem mm-hmm. so far away. But like I said, like I said, if you can stay present and just make small, small successful present moments, here's the really cool thing. If you stay present and you make your present moment successful, what's also happening is you're filling your past with successful present moments because that's all the past really is, is memories of past, of past present moments. And so the more of those present moments that are successful you place behind you, you're creating a positive and successful subconscious mind, which puts your entire success on, on autopilot. Because now, like I said before, when you're a positive person, you see positive things. When you're a successful person, you see successful things. You offered a great epiphany, I think. I've never thought of it before that way. Speaking of uh, Moses and speaking of Mount Sinai, uh, Moses went up Mount Sinai, but he came back with uh, enlightenment. Mm. You know, we, we don't think of it that way sometimes. We think about the hard path that uh, he made, not realizing that uh, when he came back, he came back a, a different man. Yeah, and yeah. I, I have a, a hugely spiritual st- story that happened to me on Mount Sinai, and I want to share it with you. Is that okay? Yes, please. Okay. So when I went to Egypt, it was the year 2000, and I traveled through Egypt for a month. And uh, when I got to Egypt, I loved everybody I saw. I became friends with every person I met. I was treated like a prince everywhere I went. You know, and they say what you reap, you sow, right? And so when we finally got all the way out to Mount Sinai, which is three hours drive into, into the desert from a, a town called Sharm el Sheikh, and you get out to this Mount Sinai, and there's a quote unquote hotel. And I say that with with air quotes because it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's hut, huts with a center Tent? room. <laughs> huts with a center room. And said, okay, the, the dinner hour, you come to the dinner hour and you're like, expecting them to hand you a menu. No, the kitchen's open and they bring you the same meal for everybody in the whole place, right? And but when I arrived there, I immediately met the hotel manager and I said to him, I said, I love your country. I, I really appreciate it. I, I expressed my love and appreciation for the people in the country because I, I had a great time everywhere I went. And I, he said, well, what, what's your favorite food? And I, and I said, well, so far my favorite is koshery and full sandwiches. And he gave me this look. He says, that's the peasant food. He said, that's the <laughs> food. I said, yeah, I, lo- I love it. 
Well, that dinner time came and those doors kicked open and everybody got these beautiful steak dinners. I got a giant bowl of kosher and full sandwiches. Right. <laughs> and I finished my kosher and full sandwiches. And then the steak dinner came. Right. So, so then it, you, cl when you climb Mount Sinai, you start at one o'clock in the morning. And the reason you start at one o'clock in the morning is so that you reach the peak of Sinai at sunrise. So I started my climb at one o'clock in the morning and I'm climbing through the darkness and I mean, through the darkness, it gets really dark just before sunrise and about an hour and a half into my, my climb, a four hour climb, I, I hear my name being called John, John. And by the way, if you don't think that's kind of trippy to hear your name being called on the side <laughs> of Mount Sinai, that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't God. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> it, the manager of the hotel ran up the mountain to give me a coat because he thought I was going to be cold Aww. at the top, right? So then the next day I come down from, from Mount Sinai and right at the base of Mount Sinai, St. Catherine's Monastery, an old Byzantine monastery. And I walk into the place and I hear this guy say, hey, are you American? And I turned around and I looked at him and said, yeah, I'm American. He says, me too. He says, have you been having problems since you've been here? And I said, no, everyone's been treating me like a prince. He says, everywhere I go, people want to fight me. And five minutes later, I wanted to kick that guy's butt. <laughs> right? Right? What, what you reap, you sow. My, my experience was spiritual because of the fact that if, if jo the Apostle John is right when he says God is love, and I was giving love and receiving love, then what I was reaping was love. And I, you know, I was, you know, reaping what I was sowing was love and I was reaping love. And so what he should have, what he was sowing was hatred and fear and anxiety, and he was getting it back. So if you're going into your experiences in life and you're, you're sowing, fear, anxiety, then you're going to get that kind of response back. Great, great message. Great message. John, how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to hear more about uh, what you're doing and what you're offering? Well, if you go to corporateactionhero.com, you can find out all kinds of crazy things about me. <laughs> um, you'll find my LinkedIn, my Facebook is all there. Uh, there's a contact uh, form there. You can email me directly through the, just use the contact form. It comes right into my email box. Um, and uh, I also want to make sure you guys get that workbook, that 5F workbook, that um, free gift that I'm offering your audience. And, and when I say free gift, I mean free gift. I'm not asking for email addresses or anything, just go download it. And uh, I'm, I would I would tell you the address, but it's a little convoluted, so you're going to have to put it in the notes. notes. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll have yeah. links there. So everybody can just go right there and and have access to, to these incredible tools. Before we end here, the thought to me, though, that if this crazy world that we live in would take your example of this story that you just shared with us and love and live a life of love. It would, the healing that would take place in everyone's life, it, it would be miraculous. And we wouldn't have to worry about all the other issues that, that we hear about on the news because it would be a world of love. And I loved that example. And I've seen it in, in my life and in others where they've chosen to be the angry person mm -hmm. and they don't understand why I can be different and be happy. And like, it's a choice. And we all have a choice in how we're going to respond in life. Are we going to respond with kindness 
or are we going to respond with hatred? And that's a choice. And it comes down to understanding who we are. It comes down to these five F's and, mm-hmm. and the healing that can take place in, in each of our lives. And, and today's choices are tomorrow's outcomes. Absolutely. John, any last uh, thoughts before we uh, finish up our uh, conversation today? Make each moment as successful as you can possibly make it. And don't worry about the big stuff. Just go out there and stay positive and realize anything that's happened to you in the past that was negative, today's the day you can set it down and start stacking good, positive things behind you. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with John Davis. We've had a great discussion about enlightenment. You know, you, you've enlightened us today, John, about uh, happiness, how we can find uh, joy in the midst of darkness. And when I think of the word enlighten, you know, that word light within enlightenment, I think is critical, important to our conversation today. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us, as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become part of Karen the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen.